Hi, this is the Digging Deep podcast, Life Talk with Doug and Tina. I am Tina and my husband is Doug. Our podcast is dedicated to highlighting various biblical topics. Today's episode is called Revealing Jesus to This Generation. This is probably the most important topic that we've covered yet on Life Talk with Doug and Tina. This generation is one that the name of Jesus, the topic of God, in so many spaces has become politically incorrect or offensive. But there are so many people hurting right now. There are so many people searching for answers and truth. We've got to talk about how is God going to let himself be known to those who have no idea, to those who don't even know that they're searching for him. We'll be back in just a minute. Hello, today is January 15th, 2021, and this is officially our first Life Talk with Doug and Tina episode. I know some of you have heard the two episodes that I've done uh, this month and 2021. Um, But this is our first collaborative effort. And today we want to talk about um, salvation. And uh, in the midst of current events, in the midst of the climate that we're facing, a lot of tension, a lot of confusion, a lot of turmoil. You know, 2020, the, the state of affairs hasn't ended. Um, and things are seemingly unraveling anymore. But the question that Doug and I have been tossing around is, how are people going to come to know Jesus? You know, as Christians, we, we, we have turmoil and we know Jesus. So I can't imagine, you know, what people who don't have faith are dealing with right now. You know, I was thinking this morning about really my security, my anchor has to be um, Jesus because everything else dissipates. You know, nothing else is eternal or lasting except for God. And when we put our trust in government, when we put our trust in, you know, the next morning or or whatever, we are often um, disappointed and we are often disillusioned. There are a lot of people that I think are disillusioned right now And so there are a lot of people looking for truth, looking for light and looking for rescue. And just I want to give a few scriptures that um, we're going to just, you know, we're not rehearsed. We're just talking to you, to you all and to each other. So um, here's a few scriptures. I looked up the word rescue and I'm just going to read them. Psalm 82 verse four says, Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Psalm 22, verse 8 says, He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Psalm 31, verse 15. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Psalm 35, verse 17, how long, O Lord, will you look on? 
rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. And then there's one more. Rescue me, oh my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. There's so many more. Um, so many more. Ezekiel, I read most of the scriptures I read were all in the Psalms. But as I'm scrolling, there are just so many uh, verses that have this word rescue. And I think that's just a good theme, a good starting point, because there are, you know, scripture tells us, maybe Doug can find it, you know, Jesus came to deliver us, to rescue us from the domain of darkness and transfer us into his kingdom, his domain, um, his authority, his rule. He loves us. And so his desire is to rescue us. He is not willing that any should perish. Most people know um, John 3, 16 and 17. You know, God gave his, sent his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17 is, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him would be saved. Yes. And so God's desire is to rescue, to save, to set free from those things that disappoint, from those things that disillusion us, from those things that, you know, terrify us. Um, that really is his heart right now. So Doug, what are your thoughts? Well, you said a, a lot of good things. Um, the scripture that pops to my, my mind is the Exodus one where God is speaking to Moses out of the burning bush. And the Lord said in Exodus three, verse seven, he says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their songs. And the, I guess the thing about this is they've been enslaved for 400 years. You know, you might say, so what took God so long? What in the world? And as we've shared in other prior podcasts, there are just certain things that go on behind the scene, legalities in the spirit that, you know, we haven't gone into great detail, but we touched on it. But the point is that God is listening. He knows when we're upset, he hears our cries. And the other verse of that is Psalm 34, 15. He said, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and, he, he, and, he, and his ears are open to their cry. And I've just been um, in my quiet time, just hearing about the, the prayer of the cry. You know, there's that other scripture where it says that your tears that you cry, God puts them in a bottle and then he, he pours them out and he writes a book about your tears. And I feel like 2020 was a year of crying for a lot of people for various reasons. You know, we've had people be affected by this in different ways, job loss, loss of life. And it's been intense. and what has been, I guess, most troubling for me has been how Christians are treating Christians in this climate. And it's been that way for years, but now it's just been out in the open. No one's wanting to listen to one another's heart as to why 
they're upset. And they're just blaming and yelling and angry and cancel culture and all this stuff. And I, and I think about the scripture that Jesus said, uh, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I, I put in a Facebook post last week that God has just been challenging me. He said, if you love those who love you, he said, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do that. I mean, he's basically saying that's nothing. If you love those who agree with you, that's nothing. What credit is that to you? And then he says, well, if you say you love me and you hate your brother, he said, you are a liar. And the love of God is not in you. Because how can you say you love me who you haven't seen and not love your brother? You know what I mean? So he said, how do you say you, you love God who you haven't seen and you can't love your brother who you have seen? And so the challenge is here. We're in the crucible. You're asking, how does someone get saved? They're going to have to see a real Jesus. You know, the, the Jesus that we know says that he loves his enemies. And we have an opportunity before us as a church now to love our enemies. Yeah. yeah. I agree. You know, everything that you're saying just reminds me of our witness. And if we picture, you know, a court scenario, what is a witness? A witness is someone who can testify of something. And so we are witnesses of Jesus, witnesses of his goodness and of his desire um, of, and the evidence of his salvation, which we as believers have received. Um, you know, and what Doug is talking about in terms of the you know, the division, the strife within the church. You know, I, I think we, we all know this. And many, many of us are waking up to the fact that we need to recognize our heart posture towards each other, but also our heart posture to those who are not yet in the kingdom. I was thinking this morning about the phrase looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, and some of their, us have been there, done that. Yes. Um, but, you know, that is the state of so many of the world. They're looking for love. And who is love? God is love. So, so many are looking, but they're looking in all the wrong places. And we can't condemn people for that. We have to recognize the reality that in them is a spirit that God created that is looking to find its home. Yes. You know, and home, our, our home is meant to be with God. You know, Psalm 137, no, Psalm 137. 9 verse 16 talks about the fact that God wrote our stories. He wrote our books. He actually wrote out his intents and purposes for our lives before we even began to live on earth. That's a powerful scripture to reflect on. And so that is another reason why Jesus is on a rescue mi mission. You know, the enemy is a thief. Genesis Three was a, a, a there was a theft that happened, and you know we we need to um, we need to understand that and um, you know the process of redemption. I'm just gonna just say this one point and then uh, give it to Doug is that we've recognized um, we've found the one who is home, the one who is the only anchor, the one who is the truth 
the one that is light, life and light. And, um, you know, and then we've come based on Romans 10, 9, that says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we have been saved from what the theft in Genesis 3 did. We've been saved from our sins. But, you know, a lot of people don't even use the word sin. You know, the word sin is not politically correct. In fact, Jesus, many times, his name is not politically correct. And so, you know, how are we going to convey the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ? Well, like Doug said, uh, one factor is how we treat one another, our witness. So you said a lot of good things that I suspect people listening to our podcast would be willing to mull over. But would I say most of the church would be willing to mull over? It's difficult to say, depending on their emotional and mental state. Um, if I'm a Biden supporter, do I want to love a Trump supporter? I don't know, Christian or not. If I'm a Trump supporter, do I want to love a Biden supporter? I don't know. The question would then, it's always going to come down to, am I going to do what Jesus said to do? Right, yeah. Period. Yeah. Am I going to do it? And then am I going to do it with the right attitude? You know, that's where 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. He said, if I give my body to be burned and I don't do it because of love, it profits me nothing. Right. If I prophesy and all these wonderful, have faith to move mountains, which is glorious, but I don't do it with a motive of love, it's worth nothing. So it's not just even a matter to God, I'm going to be nice to my brother and sister in Christ. He wants you to do it with the right motive. Right. And so what you're saying is even for you know believers and what we would say pre-believers, meaning they just haven't encountered Jesus yet, is are we going to take a proactive view of everyone, my enemy, saved or unsaved, believer, non-believer, and know that God has a book about them? Right. That when they were born, God had a plan for their life, and now I'm going to take part in this rescue mission with Jesus yes. and love my enemy like he loved me. Like I was thinking about the Romans 5 scripture, that God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died. So when we were his enemies. Yes. Now, again, a lot of us don't ever really think that we were God's enemies. Right. You know, I was a nice guy. I heard the I heard the guy give me my, my track. You know, you want to be saved for your sin? You want some fire insurance to avoid hell? Yeah, I'll do that. You know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Go for it. Hey, real and raw, unfiltered. I don't think people got a John 17 salvation. What do I mean by that? Jesus said, here is eternal life to know the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. And know, is that an intellectual knowledge or an experiential? It's experiential, intimate knowledge. Yes. It's like the invitation is, you're gonna get to know the God of the universe. Yes. 
and he's going to bring you and you're going to have the right to become his child. Yes. But you don't get to enter there without knowing that you're his enemy. Right. You're going to have to know who you are before you get in. Acknowledge, oh, I am not like Jesus. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. And I need help. And I deserve not to be a part of this family with you. Yeah. Without this Jesus person inviting me in. I I don't think many Christians were saved that way. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it makes me question what impact really was put on their heart. And I'm not trying to call them not saved, but I guess I am. What I'm trying to say is, do they really grasp the gravity of what Jesus did for you? And if so... How you treat people not saved, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's automatic, but it's just at least Holy Spirit can tell you. It's a byproduct. It's a byproduct. Exactly. You know, I remember years ago when I, you know, had to learn as a new believer that just because you go to church doesn't mean that you were born again. And I was like, what do you mean? And, you know, it was gracefully explained to me um, through scripture that encountering the truth of Jesus Christ, you know, the value of it, the, the, how, what it means. Um, and that, you know, going to church is just an outward form. Sometimes it's just tradition. It's just what we do, but that doesn't mean that we are known as Doug is saying that we know that we've really experienced or encountered Jesus and who he is. We can know a lot about someone, you know, we can know the facts, but that does not mean we know them. And I know for many of you, you know, this this knowing might be, well, what are they talking about knowing? Um, I was reading earlier this week that in our Western world, knowledge or knowing is often, um, we, we have this Greek orientation where it's very of the mind and very intellectual versus the Hebrew way of knowing is very in, uh, intentionally experiential and, and it's an encounter. And see the Lord, you know, we have scripture, he left us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is really, I believe <laughs> the Holy Spirit helps us know, helps us experience and encounter Jesus Christ. Um, all that he is, his, 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 you know, where we are in awe at him, where we can hear his still small voice. I mean, like for real, where we can sense his whispers, where we can um, understand and perceive him with more than just our five senses, basically reading the words on a page. And I think, you know, I want to say that, but I also want to say value, you know, in terms of, I've been thinking that we are going to have to present to people, to unbelievers, the value of Jesus. What And so what value does Jesus have for us? We can start with when Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not that this world has, do I give to you. Right. Because in this world, you will have tribulation. That's right. He's he's giving you the reality check again. We are living it. But then he says, be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. So there's a way to live that the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. 
a lot of it has to do with perspective, allowing him to let us see things from his vantage point. And that's where studying the scriptures with the Holy Spirit helps. Yes. You can see this, the stories are full of life where you say, well, how, why did that God, why did that great hero of faith make that decision? Why would David think he could take on Goliath who is 10 feet tall, 400 pounds, six hands, six fingers, six toes? Well, I mean, we can't even picture that. Right. Why would this little guy think he can win? Right. Because he had a perspective. He said, this day, he said, you are an uncircumcised Philistine. Yeah. Circumcision meaning out of a covenant with the God of the universe. That's right. So he had a revelation. And we yeah. say that, and you know, it sounds mystical. I was just thinking of that word. It sounds yes. mystical, but there was an understanding yes. that he had that, wait a minute, God wants to protect me. How do I know that? Well, there was this lion that attacked the sheep when I was taking care of the sheep and I won. Yeah. I can't beat a lion. And then a bear came and took one of my sheep and I whooped them up. I took the sheep out of the bear's mouth. I know in and of my own strength, I can't do this. But yeah. God protected me. Yeah. And I wanted to protect me. And I understand that now. And I can now translate it to a bigger giant in my life. That's right. Yeah. Experiential is what yeah. we're saying. I love that because, you know, David, he had through Torah logos he had the letter of the word he had the law he had that knowledge but what you're talking about as far as re revelation or what was revealed to him i think we could say it was the rhema it was the life yes. breath of yes. the word and you know i was an english major in college so for me i would use the word epiphany you know yes. for those of you who are into that yeah, that's what epiphany, or I guess maybe the term in psychology would be that aha moment. Yes. It's when the words are on a page, you know, we read it, but then it becomes whoo, life, aha, like we've got it, like it's real, a tangible and an intangible way, I guess I would say. Yeah, and it, I think it all starts with the love factor. Um, there is no fear in love, is what it says. Mm -hmm. We're talking about anxiety, yeah, anxiousness. I mean, a lot of people actually just don't want bad things to happen, right? Well, well, <laughs> that—that's a reality check that you have to—you're going to have to work out with the Holy Spirit. He's like, there are humans in the world. We have the enemy of our soul. Yeah, bad things going to happen, like the scripture in Psalm 91. He said, "A thousand fall at my sure. side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near you." Yes, you know that's a promise. Yeah, but. That unveils God's heart for us. Yes, that is his heart. That's what he wants. For those who want to dwell in the secret place, they said, this is what's going to happen. I'll be your shield. Yes. But a thousand is still going to fall by your side. That's close. Yeah. So stuff's going to come close, it's close to our door, closer than we want. Yes. It's going to be in our face. And, you know, Doug, yeah, talking about anxiety and, you know, in the body of Christ, but also that pursuit of, you know, us being light bearers, image bearers, those who are supposed to reveal uh, Jesus to others because everyone's feeling anxiety and fear and concern and caution. Um, Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which surpasses all understanding, 
the peace of God is not of this world. It is so other, so non-human. This peace of God has power. It has a grace upon it. It has something that is so beyond our own ability, but it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And so I think, you know, one of the things that we need to remind ourselves, but that we need to convey to, you know, people hurting people and people who in the next week are just going to be so dismayed. We have to communicate them and ask the Lord to help us communicate them this peace of God, that God is a God of peace, that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, and that he will guard their heart and their mind, and that he is worth, there's value in knowing this Prince of Peace and being in relationship with him. (laughs) So much. It is so much, and it's it's like, I, I feel like I have like another hundred things to share. But the bottom line is, at some point, you're going to have to believe when you're talking to God, there's a God that's listening. That's right. Or you're just saying words in the air. I mean, I keep coming back to the fact that the Pharisees studied the Bible, knew all the prophecies, knew everything about the Messiah coming, and Jesus shows up and they want to kill him. They you know what I mean? A quality of how you read the Bible. Yeah. Where you say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to know you. I know your heart is love. Your heart is truth. Says Jesus came full of <coughs> grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. He's going to tell you the truth, but he's going to do it with grace. But it's full of grace and truth. Well, Doug, there's a problem. There are a lot of people who say, how do you know the Bible is truth? It was written by human beings. So aren't there inconsistencies and how could they have uh, known the word of God or, you know, written down exactly? And I was thinking about this because we've heard it before. And my response, and I would love to hear yours with my response is, I believe that God is big enough (laughs) and powerful enough that he can make sure and move through human beings, no matter how weak or imperfect they are, if he is trying to convey and communicate who he is to humankind, then he has the power to move through human beings to make sure that what is written and conveyed in this word, this covenant, is accurately his heart. Bingo. I mean, the Bible says the sum total of his word is truth. It says the entirety of his word is truth. It's not just one, two scriptures taken out of context. You have to read and know the heart of God. The sum of the word, yes. And that's kind of what we said earlier in our in our uh, podcast, talking about the, if you don't know that you have to work with God, and I think a lot of people, you know, they struggle with the Bible because of unanswered prayer. Sure. Which we can go on for days for that. But you have to be willing to study, hang with it. It's a study to show yourself approved, but study how? With a listening heart. Yes. Listening with grace and truth in mind. Yes. At the same time. And you got to get to the point where you know God loves you. Yeah. So here's an idea, you know, for you all that we're talking about that we assume are, are believers, but, you know, this is something that we can communicate to people who really do. Uh, they're really looking, they're really searching. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, for us, 
is that before we go into Bible study, you know, just simply say, Lord, you are the word. I want to experience you as the word. I don't just want to read and understand with my mind, but I want my heart to be open to your truth in a way that it never has been before. Holy Spirit, help me experience the word, the person of Jesus Christ as I read his word. And then as far as just praying for other people or, you know, talking to other people, you know, God is a God who hears, you know, for many of us, what God has saved, what God, you know, us born again was that we were crying out. You know, it's like crying out to a God that we hoped was there, but we really weren't sure. Maybe we heard about, you know, but God heard our cry. He heard the cries of our heart, you know, and, and, um, he, he seeks and saves the lost, those who are wandering and lost. And so, you know, just, you know, tell people just to their <laughs> God is creator and he hears his, you know, those that he longs to rescue and that he wants to make himself known. Yes. Yes. The word is so rich. It reminds me of the story on the road to Emmaus after Jesus was resurrected. He appeared to some of his uh, followers on the road and he disclosed himself that they didn't recognize him. And he asked him, hey, what, you know, what have you heard about Jesus? And they said, well, well what do you know? And they, they were like, what are you talking about? You don't know what happened? And then Jesus says in Luke 24, 25, he said, oh, foolish one, slow of heart to believe and all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and enter into his glory? He says, in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And I like how they put that phrase there that he showed himself in the scriptures. So when you're doing Bible study, that's Old Testament. You can find Jesus in the Old Testament. Say, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus in the scriptures. And then after he had gone, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking? That's what I think you're talking about, that it's an encounter. Even as I'm reading the word, it's living, it's active, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Yes, yeah. Coming with the right posture. Yeah. And, you know, as you were talking about um, that in in terms of uh, Jesus on the road of Emmaus and how he revealed himself there, uh, another thing we need to keep in mind, um, and this is really, I think, my last point, is 2 Corinthians 4.4. I'm just going to read this. I'm reading um, the ESV version. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God. I'm just going to, we got cut off. I'm going to continue reading this scripture. Um, we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And here's the thing. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord 
So that is something to pray. Yes. That minds would be unblinded. Wrap it up, Doug, wrap it up. I mean, what you just read, it's, it's a brain shifter in that Jesus is resurrected, said all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. And now Paul is trying to tell me the little G God of this world is blinding minds. So, you know, it's the enemy of our souls because the world system run by the devil affects people. And that can be just the things you listen to, the things you watch, the things. That's why second was it second Corinthians 10. Is that the one casting down arguments, imaginations and reasonings that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God? Yes. That's why you got you got to know who Jesus is. Yeah. And, and we live in a world that, you know, a lot of people have been blinded through exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Hum, humanism, yeah. relativism, all of these isms, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and we're combating that when we talk about how do we communicate the gospel. But what what transcends all that yes. is unconditional love. Yes. Yep, exactly. I don't care how many isms are out there. When you yeah. do good to someone who knows that you don't like them, oh yeah, it has an impact. It has an impact. Makes an impression. It makes an impression that's spiritual and natural, even though we may not see it. That's right. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and accuse you. This is what Jesus did. This is did. Jesus did, yeah. taught it, walked it out. Yeah, so this is a really good topic. Yeah. I think we should hit it again at some point pretty soon because I think, you know, the harvest is ripe. There are many people looking and searching and even us as believers who are reevaluating, you know, and um, having to know, like, yeah, just evaluating a whole lot. Yes. So, I mean, uh, oh, the one last thing. Go for it. You're talking about how do we know the scriptures are real? I remember years ago, I pondered this question. And I'm throw it out there since we're digging deeper. The white man's religion. For those of us who are African American or non-white, the Bible has taken assault based on the fact that people can use the Bible to oppress people. And that, and that was something I really struggled with for a long time. I was like, this is just awful. I can see why I remember praying to God. I can see why black people don't may not want to become a Christian because those slave masters were using the Bible to keep them enslaved. And then what popped in my head, he said, well, then why did those slave people get saved? Mm -hmm. He said, are they stupid? Nope. He said, why did they get saved? Because the Bible is powerful enough to even be sifted through wicked people using it the wrong way. Harry Tubman was a what? Slave. And was she a believer in Jesus Christ? She absolutely was. And didn't she find other white people to help her who were believers in Jesus Christ? Yes, she did. To get other black people out of slavery. Yes, she did. Using the same book, Yes. she realized she could get out of slavery. Well, the word of God is powerful. I mean, that's just amazing when you think about it. Yeah. So for me, it just solidified it. I said, if Harry Tubman could use the Bible <laughs> to find a way to get out of slavery when white people who were evil were using to keep her in slavery, yeah. then you yes. can now distinguish yes. the word. That's good. To know 
if you will let the Holy Spirit lead the you. power of Come the on, word now. of God is more powerful than how uh, immature, wicked people may use it. Yes. We have got to know that. We cannot yes. just settle that it's just words on a page. Oh my goodness. And the Holy Spirit is is here and he's present and working yes. and wooing. And we could keep going, but. And the word of God yes. took on human flesh and he dwelled among us. Yes. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, grace and, and truth. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Grace for grace. Amen. All right. We will talk again soon. Yes. God, God bless. God bless. Thank you for watching today's episode. To find out more about Doug and me, you can visit our websites, tinaweb.net or myfatherscrown.com. There you can find more information about our books, our articles, and any media or interviews that we have done. Thanks for listening today. Have a great day. Be blessed.